You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and there's huge cash prizes up for grabs all the time. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every single night, and it's really simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's really simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. You assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its users across all sports, and they're the leader in daily fantasy sports. There's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That code is THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See at DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. Okay, two games against the Oilers, two losses. The spiral effect is in full force. You're seeing a implosion at the center, at the core of the organization as a whole, I would say. Um, and we're here to break it down. Obviously, if you have been listening, um, you're probably in agreement that Jeff Ward has gots to go. <laughs> um, but like last night, the game against the Oilers was a 7-1 loss. Sure was. How was the effort? How was the compete level? Because this has been the biggest talking point solution coming from management, coming from Calgary Media that all these guys need to do is try harder. They just need to show up, care more, um, and everything will be fine. It's not a system thing. It's not a systemic thing coming back from the coaching down. It has nothing to do with the organization. It has nothing to do with the with the manage with the management. And look, I get it. This isn't this isn't a hundred percent of all media, all Calgary media. It's not everybody, but it sure seems like it's you know ninety to ninety five percent of the narrative is that this is all the players. Um, the answer is in the room. And they just need to show up, care more, play with more emotion, play with more heart, play harder. And that's the problem. But last night's a good example of like, were they not busting their balls, um, you know, until basically the game was well out of hand. And then there's kind of a, what what do we do now effort? But what were your take? Because you were the one that pointed it out. It was just like, look how hard these guys are working under a system that is designed 
with a premise of like, it's not going to work under this group and there's no result. Well, who was, <laughs> can you point to one player last night? You'd be like, yeah, that guy wasn't trying. The effort wasn't there. Like, n- no, Everybody maybe Lucic, maybe Lucic. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, everybody was busting their balls last night. You does uh, dominated possession. You outchance the Oilers by a pretty wide margin. By all accounts, you outplayed them. Like, again, who can you point to last night? Like, go up and down the lineup. Was Elias Lidholm not trying every single shift, even when it was 7-1? Goudreau, <laughs> Backlund. Like, these guys, were. It's it was not a lack of effort. But, okay, so, well, why did they lose then? Because some people are like, oh, it's just one of those nights. Like, Just one of those nights where you couldn't stop the best player in the world. He, gets, he You're telling me you can't prevent the best player in the world from getting five points? Right, like and it's maybe, three goals. Maybe, maybe, like, you know, you can't contain him to have less than two, maybe three points, but five points, like five? Goals. Yeah, like, like, like people are like, oh, that was that should have been closer on paper. Like, what? What is, what do you, oh, five one? Oh, we could have kept it within five one. Oh, wow, okay. It's just like that last night was a prime example of whatever the Flames are doing, it's not working, no matter how hard they work. No matter how hard they try, no how, no matter how emotionally invested they are, if you're going to play this style away more often than not, you're going to get exposed. Like Connor McDavid pretty much picked apart the Flames' defense last night. Like was almost every goal not just like plain and simple bad defensive coverage. Yep, pretty much. Like I'm sitting here watching the game, and I obviously it happens so quick. You have to wait for the replay to come back up on the screen to be like, okay, well, where was the breakdown? And it's just like I'm. I'm sorry, but I can't see this this team and this coach in, in practice working on defensive zone coverage. I You're mean, playing music though, like you know, that'll fix everything. Fuck. Don't worry about I, practicing the breakout or practicing the power play or you know, making sure the defensive X's and O's are correct. It's all about that emotional engagement, baby. Like defense is very simple. Like it's a simple thing. When Kevin BX gets on the on the screen, it, like it, it just talks about how simple it is. Where it gets complex is the level of skill you have to deal with. But that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing getting our our defensive coverage being beaten by just all down, all right, all right skill. We're seeing breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. Our coverage sucks. And if I don't know, either look, we've talked about it before. It's like like what is this coverage? that they roll out. Like all they're doing is they're defending, they're collapsing and defending. They're like trying to create this little tiny cube in front of the slot. And it just gets picked apart and picked apart and picked apart where I don't know. Like I, I was always taught in hockey, like it's it, defense is simple. Maybe I just had good coaches that were better than Ward, you know, <laughs> in, in minor hockey and up like, but it's man on man coverage and you don't complicate it more than that ever. Well, and again, like we're beating a dead horse here, but Jeff Ward's system is he's implementing it correctly because he said he wanted to play how he did in the playoffs. And this is how they played against the Dallas Stars. And it, <laughs> they relied heavily on great goaltending and scoring on the power play. And when though you don't get those two things, you're not going to win very many hockey games playing like this. Yeah. At, like personally watching the Calgary Flames right now, I'm beyond looking for, for details. Yeah. Because you and I are both at a point, I think a lot of fans are at this point where they're like, we don't believe in, in the system that Ward has 
this team playing under. We don't believe in Jeff Ward. I'm at a point, and I think a lot of people are, where as long as Jeff Ward is this coach, I don't see it happening. Um, and therefore, the way I approach my, you know, how I watch the game is not like, I don't come into the game like hoping for a win anymore. I don't even hope, I don't even expect or hope for, it's not, it's different. Like usually as a fan, you're like engaged in every game and you're engaged in every period, engaged in every shift. I just kind of sit back now yeah. and wait for the collapse to happen. And then I'm, I'm just, I'm more, it's kind of like watching, um, you know, Big Brother or like some sort of, you know, TV drama where you're just like, okay, how bad is it going to get tonight? What's, what's the response going to look like? And then what are, what's the bullshit we're going to hear after the game? Yeah. Like that's kind of where I'm at now. And, you know, at, from an overview level, I'm not looking at the details anymore. I'm looking at the big picture, which is coming into games. All you're hearing is, okay, we need, need, a, need more effort. We need this, we need that. But yet the fundamentals aren't shifting. The fundamentals aren't changing. We'll get into some of those more today. I mean, we've been talking about them a lot. But um, when I'm watching games now, it's just like it, my the way I watch it completely changed. It has reverted back to me to the 2017-2018 season under Glenn Gullison where I'm, I'm not entertained. Like, again, if they're going to lose, <laughs> I, I don't understand why they just don't go full-blown offensive system. At least lose 7-6 and give me something to watch here. You know, it's just so boring. But it's true. I, last night, I wasn't. I wasn't engaged emotionally at all. And usually I'm just like, I'm either like, again, I'm right. I'm usually riding the wave of emotion. I'm usually, usually elated or pissed. I'm dead inside now when I watch those games, because like you said, it's the same pattern. Here's the same things. Exact same thing rolls out. Like was last night, a perfect example of why you, why these guys wouldn't trust the system. Did the flames not execute what they're trying to do last night? Completely outshot the Oilers controlled possession Lost seven one. Yeah. Why would you trust that system if you're a player anymore? Like, why would we? Why would we look last night and say, "Yeah, you played, you you executed your system probably pretty well, and you got crushed." Like, why would I? Why would I trust that? Why would the players trust that? I I don't get this. So why like, would, why would we trust a system that is a carbon copy of the Glenn Gallatin system that we saw fail? Except here? it's even worse. It is worse. It's worse. Because like, at least with. The- <laughs> At least with Glenn, not that adjustments were being made, but I mean, at least they, you know, had could break out of their own zone a little bit. But this breaking out as a five-man unit, this refusal to break out on the on the weak side, on the right-hand side, they never break out of the right-hand side. The refusal to do anything but chip and chase. Like, how many dump-ins were there last night? Like, did anyone carry the puck in? Did they have one chance off the rush? Pretty much all their chances were were established four check cycle flips from the point that maybe got tipped or something or off a rebound. So they're not generating the type of quality chances that the Oilers were like, did you see Gaudreau have any rush chances? He kind of got to behind the D last night once, but can we, can we count our rush chances this season on one hand? For sure. Like have, did you see an odd man rush last night? How many have you seen this year? Have you seen any odd man rushes this year from the flames? Like maybe two that I can think of off the top of my head. The system's not working. And I mean, you're telling me I like, do you remember the Ottawa Senators Uber video when they were, <laughs> when they were absolutely ripping into their coaching staff? Yeah. You're telling me that's not the flames right now. 
Oh, I don't see how it isn't, man. Um, I mean, you, listen, you have you have some great people in, in in the players, right? So maybe maybe they're not. Like you look at some of the the post game comments and Geo and Chucky, like these guys still care, right? So badly, but they're at a loss. And look, the media has been pushing this. Um, you know, a lot of fans are on board with it, which is like it's all the players, it's all the players. But are we not seeing, like, at what point does it go beyond what the players can do? Because if we're not there now, <laughs> I mean, how much more of this do we have to go through until the organization, the leadership within the organization, i.e. management, i.e. Bradtree Living, does something to help out this situation? Like, well, yeah, so that's what it comes to. There's so much emphasis put on leadership within this dressing room. Yeah. How about leadership within this organization? Where are the, like, look, Brad Tree Living comes on Pat Steinberg's show the other day. I don't just, I, like, and that's that's an okay interview, but is Brad really getting out in front of this at all? Like, th- there's a lot of fluff in that interview, if you ask me. Well, a lot of it was like, because what does he always say? Like, he says this all the time. We always talk about accountability. Accountability. Who is accountable for this? I'd like, who like I, I is he accountable he always says it starts with me and then it goes down to the coaching staff like when you hear Jeff Ward in the postgame interviews refuse to take any responsibility for these losses like again if if you think we're wrong in just like totally giving the players a pass which you know maybe we do a little bit then sure it's probably like the players need to be better obviously but I come on you can't watch these games and tell me, like, you would have to be watching very <laughs> liberally to not say there's something systemic going on here or to tell me that these guys believe in what the coaching staff is trying to uh, lay down here. Like, come on, if you've watched even five games this year, you could you could point that out. So where's the accountability? That's all I ever hear. Accountability, accountability. Yet also at, uh, on the same in like the same sentence in the same breath, he'll talk about how he he has utmost confidence and belief in this group it's like i don't see how those two things are compatible right no No. and it it goes beyond coaching staff it goes beyond management because um or i mean it encompasses all management like brad true living is working side by side with jeff ward to try and do what's best for this team at what point do these guys admit that the system they're trying to lay out for this team you know, the vision that they have for what this team is going to look like isn't working. It's <laughs> at what point do you be like, oh, shit, you know what? Maybe we have to go back to the drawing board and change some things because all we're hearing night in and night out after every single game is it's going to work. They yeah, it's, do- fi- it's fixable. Just- That's what Jeff said last night. It's fixable, right? It's 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 an effort thing, right? If like what did Jeff Ford say last night? Something about it's an effort. Um Away from the puck. Yeah, he said he's talking about it doesn't matter how much skill you have. Uh, it's all about desire when you don't have the puck or something here, to that effect. Here it is right here. It doesn't take talent to play away from the puck. Yeah. Like, God, it God. just takes desire. <laughs> I saw someone's comment. I was like, oh, sign me up. I'm ready to go. Right? right? I want to like, play in the NHL so bad right now. If that's the case, then why don't us fans just, just take the ice? If it doesn't take talent and it just takes desire – and then he says, we got to get back to being better in that area. It's fixable. It's all fixable. I'm sorry. 
but you're the system that this team, the structure that this team has adopted isn't working. At what point do you as a head coach, do you as a general manager, look at that and be like, you know what, maybe this isn't going to work, relying on this defense first system as opposed to the offense transition game we saw in 1819. At what point, at what point do you, do you look at it and be like, you know what, maybe we have to change some things with how we approached the game instead of, well, if we just imp- approach the way we're approaching the game now with more intensity, that's going to fix the issue. Well, and the other thing too, is like he, what his quote about detail, like fixable. It's we just weren't good on the details. Like, can you, can you please just give me something, Jeff details, what details, what specifically did you see outside engagement, emotional level bullshit? Like what outside of those things did you see? Like, can you please give us fans something to give us an, like, I guess maybe he just has no clue and he's just pulling out details because he doesn't know what else to say. But if you're going to blame the details and say, oh, our details weren't good enough. What details, man? Like, and are if they're fixable, are you going to work on them? Are you guys are you guys going to cover that in practice? Like, is this something we expect to improve, or is it just going to be this vague, weird? Oh, it's just emotional. You know, it's all about desire. Like, I'm sorry, but that like you can't keep like and read the room too, right? Like, do, oh, I don't. Man. Do they know how furious the fan base is right now? I don't think they do. Um. Well, maybe they do, and they just won't admit it. But I mean, like, when Tree Living comes on and says things like you know, like I believe in this, I believe in that group or somebody like board says, we just got to be patient. It's fixable, you know, trust the system, stuff like that. Like this is unacceptable anymore. Like, I don't care if the system works eventually 20 years from now, if you kept trying, I don't give a shit about, I don't believe in this group. I don't think the answers are in that room at this point, you know, like change it, fix it. If it's fixable, fix it or get out of here. Both of you, War, Tree Living, everybody. If it's fixable, fix it. If it's like, <laughs> I just cannot believe this is still going on. Still, we're still hammering this. It's been like, it's pretty much since Gullitson was hired and Hartley was let go. It was just like system, 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 patient, 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 trust it, trust it, trust it. I'm sorry. It's not working. Do something about it. Fix it. At what point do you look at the results? Do you look at, you know, yeah, basically the results and be like, okay, maybe we should use that as a measurement of how well this is, system is working instead of being like, no, no, just keep trusting. Throw a little more effort into it. That's all it's lacking here. And that's where I'm at with it is, I think it's pretty apparent now that the answer is not in the room because that's as, even to, even to the, you know, even after last night, I tune into the fan for a bit, the post game show, and I don't want to name any names, but it, like the like, they're good Calgary people, Flames, but they they it was just an off night, you know. The Calgary Flames media is 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 still convinced the answer lies within that room. I'm sorry, we they need they don't know they're at a loss, dude. And look, it's pretty apparent Jeff Ward's lost. I mean, you're talking about some of his post-game comments. Where are they even coming from? I don't know. He, he doesn't have a grasp of what's going on. He's just trying to say things to fill up the void of not having an answer in front of the, in front of the media. 
if you look at the players, Gio and Chucky, right? If you ever want a good read on what's going on, look at Chucky. He's an honest guy, right? You're going to get a real take on how he feels, on how the team feels. And him and Gio were at the podium after last night's loss. And Chucky is, you know, he's talking about how bad it sucks. And then he just kind of starts spouting off to trying to find an answer. Like, and then he just kind of just gets to a point where he's like, I don't know. Group of 20, we should have been more, uh, probably just harder on him from the, I don't, I don't even know. I, I honestly don't know. So I'm sorry. The answer is not in the room. The players do not have an answer for this. And if you want to talk about, you know, where you go from here, we're going to kind of, we'll get to that. We'll get to, you know, the potential avenues is that we're going to go, go down now. But these players, if, if they want to find a solution um, and it, and it involves with the coach, with Jeff Ward as part of that solution. Um, look, I, I get it. We'll get into into Brad's philosophy, philosophy of what a head coach needs to be, um, because it kind of comes down to this: is like if this group, these players, and Jeff Ward are going to figure this out, then I think it goes back down to fundamentals, right? And I don't know if there's going to be no outside help coming in, if there's going to be no removal of anybody inside. And we're left with those guys got to figure it out. Cause I know Bradtree living loves that approach. Um, I don't think the players are going to figure it out because it's going to have to come from Jeff Ward. It needs to be a change in system it needs to be a change in approach of the game. I think that Jeff Ward has the wherewithal emotionally speaking to rally his troops and get them through this. But I don't see the other aspect of it where he has the actual nitty gritty X's and O's systemics right? The fundamentals to actually change what needs to be changed within this group so that that emotion actually has an effect. I, I just, that's where I'm at with it. Well, I agree. And I think also he doesn't like at this point, I'm seeing some of the same kind of like stubbornness things that got Glenn Galtzen into such trouble. It's like, I don't understand this. Like if something is so clearly not working, why do you not just change it? It's because like, he, do he doesn't know if you, if you don't know, then you have to just rely on what you do know. And that's why that's where the stubbornness comes in. He's just defaulting to back to what he does know, which is the wrong thing. So like, I don't think he's going to make the adjustments. Like again, like we keep, we've kind of brought up this hypothesis. Like maybe this could be trouble when you're getting into these mini series type uh, games this year, where you're playing the same team back to back to back. It, we're seeing it, right? Yeah. The other teams are making adjustments. Jeff continues to roll at the same same old things, and dude, we're so we're, we're so easy to beat if if you're in a series with this team and all you have to do is make adjustments because Jeff Ward has none. Yeah, it's no coincidence that the Flames, just like they did in the Dallas series, win some of these games earlier in these series, and then as they go on, they generally lose them. Like I think outside of that early Vancouver series, they haven't won the second or third game yet in any of these in any of these like mini series. Yeah, and as a case in point, right if you hear Jeff Ward post game during these series, what are his adjustments? Need more motion. Yeah. Need more desire. It's like, there's nothing tactical to his adjustments. He's not making any tactical adjustments. When has he ever come to the podium and be like, you know what? The neutral zone killed us tonight. Yeah. Um, we have to make some adjustments in this, this and that. 
It's just, no, it's always about the emotion. It's always about like the intangibles. Yeah. It's always about things that you can't really clearly debunk because, oh, it's just like, you know, like he's using it as a shield, right? Because if he were to say, oh, it was the neutral zone and that's on me, right? Like he's using it as a shield to like uh, shield himself from criticism and shield his tactics and his approach from criticism, I think. Because it's it's easy to say that, right? It's easy to say it's the emotion because everybody can, oh, yeah, yeah, it was the emotion. Like, oh, yeah, they just didn't try hard. If they tried harder, they'd be able to break out of their own zone. Um, if they tried harder, they'd be able to break through the neutral zone trap. If they tried harder, they'd be able to score on the power play. Like, did you see Matthew Chuck? Was the only goal they scored not just based solely on his and Andrew Mangiapane's effort last night? Yep. But meanwhile, the power play has not had a new look in six or seven games. Like, fix it. So, and like with, without new looks, if you're an opposing team, all you got to do is study the tape for half an hour and you got a pretty solid game plan how to shut down the team's power play. Um, they, if, what, they, if they don't have any adjustments, then that's a fucking gift. For what you do the Flames team. do on the power play? Either Lindholm swoops in and shoots it from the high right corner or high right uh, circle, or they try that little low play to Kachuk and then he passes it into the slot. That's pretty much it. No cross ice passes, nothing dangerous, same old. On a quick side note, how funny is it um, how apparent we missed Sean Monahan just in two games? <laughs> right? Like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, but he's he's not a top six centerman in this league, you know? He doesn't, he, he doesn't. He's a third liner. He's a bum. He doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. So, yeah, no, man. we see a lot of this, you know, Glenn Gulletson perimeter play last night. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're getting lots of shots on net, but how many of these are high-quality danger chances? You're not penetrating the slot. Well, and how many cross ice, like how many passes, how many shots were followed like a dangerous pass? Because that's what something I kind of always look for. It's like very seldom that the Flames have like a cross crease one timer or a, or a shot that had two passes leading up to it. Most of it was just one and done. Most of it was just shots from the point that maybe got tipped, yeah, especially on the power play. So, man, it's just, boy. Yep. So I just keep coming back to say, at what point is at what point can you stop relying on this narrative of it's the players that have to fix this issue? Like at what point do you come to realizations? that's like, you know what? They can't. And at what point does the organization and the management step up and be like, okay, if they can't do it, then we got to do something else here. Like how much longer do we have to wait? Well, right. It's been four years pretty much like with a little, with a little intermission in 2018, 2019. It's under a different a, under a different system, we had an information, and they must have obviously just cared more that season. Yeah, like it's it's been the same thing, and I think that's why maybe I'm so hung up with that year because, like you were saying off the top of this, watching a game isn't fun. It feels like a chore. I'm just doing it strictly now because we do these shows. That's pretty much the only reason. If we didn't have to break it down, I wouldn't be watching. To be honest, right now. Yeah. Um. So that's why maybe we kind of always like default back to that year because it was like, it was a, it was such an, it was, if you're a fan, it was just so much more enjoyable. Like, I don't even care at this point if they're losing, if they're playing good and it's fun to watch, like that, that would be even, that would be more important to me. But I mean, that's why we always kind of go back to this because it was like, we're, we're wandering through this desert for so long. And then we get to this spring I sound like yeah. Jeff. I sound like Jeff Ward here, <laughs> pulling out my euphemisms and well, haikus he, and analogies. If you listen to enough of his post game comments, it's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, rub so, off on you. What was the one last night? 
I don't know. There's something about chewing or some shit. Oh, oh, yeah. I, 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 I got him. We'll get to him. Somebody should make a little booklet that's like sold, but like just Jeff Ward analogies we're, and haikus. Wordplay. No, we're, we're calling them grade, grade fiverisms. That's yeah, what perfect. Called. Yeah. Words, grade fiverisms. It's not what you eat. It's how you chew. <laughs> yeah. Here's here's one from last night. Uh, it's a lot like pool. It's oh, right. Not, it's not uh, what you make all the time. It's what you leave. It's what you leave, right? And yeah, he last, likes that one. And last night we left some things and they pounced on it. So if we were better pool players, we probably would have won that game last night. But dude, they scored. That's what, that's the other thing too, is like, I would for once, could it just be like, even if you're going to blame the players full own it, pull, pull a John Tortorella and lose your mind. Don't just pull out these dumb, like, Oh, right. Oh, we generated a lot tonight. We were actually pretty good. You know, like you were not, you got beat seven to one by the Oilers. Not what you eat, it's how you chew it. Like, that make, like that makes like literally, literally no sense. Literally, we're at the point now. This is uh, I don't know how to say his last name, Greg Wachinski. Oh, Wachinski, yeah. Wachinski is literally tweeting this quote. It says Calgary coach Jeff Ward just said, It's not what you eat, it's how you chew it. Dude, you know what's funny? I'm gonna go meditate on this for a while. That's from July. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the playoff bubble. Wow. And then there's another one I sent to you last night. I think it was from the game against the Canucks the other night. He he said that he pulled out. It's not what you make all the time. It's what you leave. So he likes that one. Oh, boy. So, man, enough with the co- fortune cookie wisdom. Give me something tangible. If you're going to go on and on about details, point to something real and point to something that, like, again, I, I don't think, again, it's, it's not their job to manage fan expectations. It's not their job to do any of that shit, but boy, it sure would be nice if they're so obsessed with accountability. It sure would be nice if they could give us some indication as to what they're seeing is going wrong. Other than it's just, it's just try. We just tried. We just didn't get, have the effort, blah, blah, blah. It's just really frustrating. For us, the, the problem has been long identified. Um, Jeff Ward is an amateur and look, Sometimes on this podcast, it sounds like we're real dicks and, you know, there's some truth to that, but we're not trying, this isn't a witch hunt for Jeff Ward, the person I like, I like Jeff Ward, the person I hate Jeff Ward, the coach. I fucking hate Jeff Ward, the coach, because I fucking love this team. And if he's going to be the problem and the issue, and this is where a lot of fans are at, right? We've long identified what the true issue we believe is. It's like this guy's in over his head. Right. We have we have a black and white contrast of a system that is suited for this team. And maybe it wasn't 100 percent perfect because the avalanche dismantled us pretty quickly, although that could be that could be chalked up under a whole bunch of other things. You know, Nathan McKinnon being godlike is one of them. But how do you not build off of what worked? How do you go back to the drawing board and come up with a completely different system? A system that we've already seen fail with yes. uh, to under Glenn Gulletson, like this defense, like again, defense first, like what was the defense? It's defense. It's defense. The flames are the 10th worst teams in goals allowed this year with Jacob Markstrom as the number one goalie. You got, you let seven in on the Oilers last night. If this defense thing is like, that's what, <laughs> that's what's blowing my mind is like, okay, for all the talk and all the focus about this defensive game, you suck defensively. Yeah, this is why we're we're so hell bent on like fix the coaching, because 
I don't even care if, if you don't bring in a coach that is going to roll out a system similar to what works for this team. Just get rid of the guy that's trying to implement a system that sure as fuck doesn't. Well, like, yeah. Seriously. like And like you said, I ha- like it's stupid. We have to clarify that we have no ill will towards Jeff Ward, right? But he shouldn't be the head coach of this team. Same with Gullitson. Same with a lot of guys over the years that I've liked. Jim Playfair is a great example. Jim, this is more to me. This is more like Jim Playfair than it is uh, Glenn Gullitson, even because Gullitson, I can he's he's a pretty competent. Like when remember when Playfair took over from Daryl in two thousand six, and it was like holy shit, this guy is in a little too deep. Yeah, it, it's the same thing right now. It's just like yeah, he he has no idea what buttons to push. He has really no answers for anything that happens. And again, that's not his fault. That's the fault of the guy who put him in this position. Yep. hundred percent. We're going to get to tree living. Um, but I think, you know, to further your point, it's like the foundation of hockey is the X's and O's all that emotion and passing stuff. That's what you put on top of the foundation. And this foundation is flawed, right? Well, the found, yeah. the foundation, the systems, that Jeff Ward has these guys playing um, are the foundation we're seeing. There's leaks, there's cracks, you know, there's bug infestations. Like how else are you losing six, one, five, one, seven, one to teams that are worse than you? Well, and you made a good point is like, okay, they're so yo-yo because the foundation is apparently emotion and like X's and O's and, all that other stuff is secondary. So, I mean, again, has Tree Living not done more to build a, a like, because we've heard this for years too. This isn't a recent thing. That's why Lucic was swapped over Neil. That's why, that's literally why they brought in Troy Brower was because he was a guy who had playoff experience and hated losing and would bring all these stupid intangibles to the table. Like we, we've seen this time and time again, and especially this year, that well, that's why they're so yo-yo. Because when your foundation is emotional investment and caring, that is not something that is <laughs> sustainable or ever going to be consistent or going to yield consistent results ever in no. any line of work. If you know anything about psychology, like who's going to stay 158% motivated every second of your job? Nobody. That's why the skilled teams always win. Yep. And, you know, we got to spend time on tree living now. Like, look, he's, he's not all bad, right? He's done a lot of good things for this organization. And I think that, you know, as a, as a fan, that's where we're, there's some gray area in terms of like how much of this is his fault. But if we're strictly at a head coaching, you know, personnel decision at this point, which is like the big team's biggest weakness right now, which is pretty fucking obvious. um, Then you got to look at the guy who, who's in charge of that decision. And it's Brad Tree Living. I mean, you posted this stuff. What was it? An interview with Pinder, Ryan Pinder, in the summertime? Yeah, it was. was It's up on the coach's site. You can watch a little bit of it on the coach's site. You have to be a member to read the full thing. But if you just go, if you just Google coach's site, Brad Tree Living, interview with Pinder, talking at the, I think it was from 20, yeah, in, uh, it was just posted recently, but it was from the virtual hockey summit in the summer. So here's where Brad Tree Living's at in terms of what he looks for in a coach. There's four key elements, authenticity, ability to communicate, ability to inspire and accountability. What's missing? 
a whole lot, but uh, like that, like that's systems. That's ability your ability to implement a system. That's your top four. And then he goes on to say, you can be the smartest coach and you can have the greatest system and all those things. But if you can't communicate effectively to your players, you're not going to get very far. I don't know, Chilling. I think you missed the boat on this. Is he, he it got that? A, I think he got to flip those, bro. Doesn't a great coach have both? Like, how, how have we leaned to just one side here? Because that's where we're at. Like, like I said earlier, if Brad, if, if, um, Jeff had the left side of this, the left brain and like the systems, the tactics approach under wraps, I would believe this, but he doesn't, it's lacking. That's his biggest weakness. Well, and that's why he is a, he, yeah. And that's why that's he probably is a good assistant coach probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he shouldn't be the head coach. And it's like, I don't think it's a coincidence because I kind of hear people who are like, yeah, I don't know. These guys just need to fire lid under their ass, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that, and again, I, I don't want to give credence to the idea that Bob Hartley was like this great coach, but he did have the team play in a very specific way. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the two years that they, you know, had a little bit of success, if you want to call 14, 15 success, stretching a little bit i mean they well, for just, what the expectation of the club was it yeah was. exactly they were supposed to be in the lottery in the lottery discussion and they made the playoffs and even won around so i sure success and then you look at the, the bill peters it's like two guys who probably weren't the best communicators right they're have a bit of a rep for being total assholes to be honest um yet they they implemented systems that worked for the group they had and you saw some success the two times oh. we the two times we've had guys who are really nice guys, really good communicators, probably very authentic and very nice guys. We've seen the opposite of that. Some success. You tied a franchise record. You were only you only, dude. If the Tampa Bay didn't go out and set an NHL record for most wins, you would have finished first in the league. And I and we always say this, and like again, Bill Peters proven to be a dipshit. But I was so skeptical when they hired him. But then I heard him talk on the radio. And, like, this is coming back to me, like, when Jeff says details, we weren't on the details. What details? Yeah, When Bill was hired, his first press conference, he laid out in pretty specific detail how he wanted the team to play. Like a five-point. I remember it to this day. He says, it all starts on the face-off dot. we got to win the face-offs. That's how you get possession. Then when you get possession, we want to attack with speed. Right, we want to have a quick transition game. We want to join. We want to be up on the rush. We want D man moving the puck up, 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 up the ice. Yeah, like, like it was, literally, it was so clear what he wanted to implement, and then the results came as a result of that. Right. All we hear from Jeff Ward is we want to be better defensively. We don't hear any. We don't have. He's not gone into detail what that looks like. Like, Once. give us an idea, and it's probably because he maybe doesn't know. But man, I just like, uh, it's just, I, I don't want to hear about this care and hate losing thing anymore. And again, it kind of comes back to Brad. Kind of. It comes back to Brad. This is, at, at this point. Yeah. Brad, it's your move. Like how much longer is he going to sit on his fucking hands? Yeah. And that's the thing too, right? Like, again, you can blame the players all you want. That's totally fine. That's totally fine with me. If you want to say like, if we just move Gaudreau, We'd be better if we just move Monahan. We'd be better if we traded Geo. We'd be better. Whatever you can, you can believe all that. But I mean, 
who is the guy who stuck with these guys and has built, he's been here for almost seven years. Who's built the culture of the, who's been the responsible for building the culture of this team. If you want to say it's a culture thing, who's responsible for that, right? Like who's responsible for, for hiring the coaches who have, or have not worked out at all. Like it just, I don't understand how we're not looking upstream at this issue because to me right now, that's where the bottleneck is. It's been his inability to make the appropriate changes that this team has needed. Yeah. Like you said it best. Like it's year seven of Bradshaw living and Johnny Goudreau has playing is playing with Dominic Simone. And Brett Ritchie. That's unacceptable. And Buddy Robinson. You can talk about the compete all you want. The fact of the matter is he hasn't made this team significantly better since he's been here, in my opinion. Nope. Coaching, I mean, you you went players, out, you, culture. You went, you went out and you board. got the best goaltender in the league this year, and you still suck. <laughs> and that was my that was my concern because I think most people mistook my concern with Sonny Jacob Markstrom for like, oh, you just think Markstrom sucks. When it was more like, no, I just think you probably needed other areas that needed to be attended to more, you know, because again, you've got a great goalie now and you're still getting shellacked. Well, I remember what you said when you picked up Markstrom because here's where we were at coming into the, the offseason. It was like, okay, you still need a top six. Yeah. You've needed one for three years. You still need one. And was goaltending the issue if you look at analytically speaking last year? No. Well, in the last two games have been a perfect example. Eh, not even the last two games, this whole season. You've been getting great goaltending and you're still, like you said, you still suck. Okay, well, maybe the issues of this team need to be addressed, mainly help up front, skill up front, and coaching. Like the issues that weren't, that needed the most addressing were not uh, addressed this offseason. Like if all, if, dude, and we'll say it again, right now, you wanna have, you don't wanna know how it's fixable? Get a head coach in that knows what they're doing, that A, has a system that's gonna suit this club to maximize their skill. Jeff Ward is rolling out with a system that you employ when you have like next to little no skill for a team. He's yeah, exactly. It's like, is there any, like, do you wonder why when the Lucic Bennett Dubé line is like, do you wonder why those guys have been the most effective under this system? Because for the most part, those three guys play a straight line, simple brand of hockey. You dump it in, you go get it, you smash some bodies, you get out of there. Right. So yeah, it's real fixable. Replace the coach with a guy that knows what he's doing. They can maximize this skill and then bring in a top six player. Do what and what's, you have to do. What's had frust- fucking seven years yeah, to do it. Exactly. Now. That's what's frustrating to me is, is like not like he's been here so long and that he had the perfect opportunity to bring in a head coach who would, who would be better. Like you didn't even have to fire Jeff Ward. You could have just had him be the interim yeah. and then put a, put in a new guy and have Jeff go back to being the assistant. Like he used to be like, it couldn't have been laid out <laughs> more easily. And I realize that this is going to be an issue. It sounds like, like if the, the flames ownership doesn't want to pay for a top notch coach. Well, we don't know that for sure, but that's, that's not a for sure. That seems to be, that seems to be the narrative. It sounds from, from everything we've seen over the past 30 years <laughs> seems to be true. Seeing as you've probably only had a, like one top-notch coach in Daryl Sutter here. Um, but again, if Jeff Ward is going to be your guy, I don't know why you can't sit down with him and say like, 
you can't strategize on how to maximize what's on this team a little bit better. Dude, Jeff Ward does not know how to do it. Like, that's so apparent. Like, it's not going to work with him. I'm sorry. So, man, I just, man, it's, it's, and like, this is, and again, it, it probably all boils over when you hear the same thing from the coach and the GM that we've heard for 10 years. Be patient, not 10 years, but you know what I mean? Be patient. Answers are, in, answers are in that room. Yeah. It's like, like, come, like, come on. I don't care how mad Brad sounds. Like, I don't care if he comes on. He's like George Costanza. It's like people, if you look annoyed, people think you're busy. It's like he can come on 960 and swear and stuff. And everybody just thinks that's the great. Oh, but his Brad, message Brad is fun. Living, use yeah. the word bullshit. Oh, wow. We're going to be good now. Yeah. But like he can be as mad as he wants, but his message was still the same. I believe in this group. So just like many things in life, the longer that this goes on, the more we're able to analyze the problem. Right. And it, right now, because the, the main most blaring obvious issue for us is, is head coaching. The next systemic problem obviously is the general manager because he continues to stay rooted in keeping the problem in place. The main well, problem. And you know, what's funny. I was going to bring this up before the whole bill Peters thing happened. I remember you were like, bill needs to go, man. Like he's lost, like he he's not doing what he needs to do. And the flames were in a huge spiral major. Like there is, now. Yeah. Just, this is before all the crazy shit came out about bill Peters. Um, and remember Brad came on TV and he was like, the coach isn't going anywhere. He didn't say that exactly, but it's, he pretty much no, said, I, I, Brad, think he pretty, I think he pretty much did. This he's coach like, isn't moving. There's no players coming in to save us. There's yeah. no saviors coming. This is the group we're stuck with. He said I the exact same thing. The exact same thing. When bill was going through bill Peters was, was floundering and the team was floundering and before all that shit happened. So that's where to me, again, where's the accountability, right? Like, so it's been three, like it goes back to even the Gulls years. It's the same thing. It's just like, he's bringing these coaches. He's totally getting on board and yep. it, it just comes back to him. It's his responsibility to fix it or, or again, fix it or get out of here. I'm sick of hearing about how they're never going to change. And we just need to, we just need to wait a little longer, fix it or get lost. So let's get into this because the weaknesses of tree living. Now, when you're a general manager, it's so easy to hide in the, in the shadows, right? Like you're, you're just every once in a while, you had to come up for a press conference, you know, all the focus is on the players, yada, yada. And I mean, this comes down, this comes back to um, if you ask me, you know, just kind of assessing ourselves on this podcast of like, like, why, why are we so hell bent on, you know, focusing on management? And I think part of it is it's just like, it's a philosophical approach to winning into success. If you have a team, right? Like it's the same thing in a business workplace, right? Like you have your employees on the front line. And if like, if, if the employees are not performing in a certain way, like who has to take responsibility for that? Like there's obviously there's an onus on the employees, but it, fundamentally it always has to come back to some form of leadership always. And if there's not enough leadership on that, you know, sales floor level where the employees are, there needs to be leadership elsewhere. It needs to come from up, from up top it needs to come from above. And I think that if you just take that approach of like on any team, any business in this world, like that's how success 
works. That's the philosophy we're coming from. I think it's so easy, you know, as fans, and I get it because the players are the superstars. That's why we focus on them all the time, right? You guys got like Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, like watching these guys, they get put up on pedestals. They become our heroes. If you're a little kid, right? All the focus is on them. That's why we always say it's so resolution thinking that it always comes back down to them. Like if, if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl can't win a Stanley Cup, if they can't win a playoff round, it's their fault. They don't care enough. Or is it the team, the structure of the team? I mean, that's such an obvious example. Everybody can be like, yeah, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, like, right? Their, their team sucks, obviously. They have the, the two best players or the best player in the world and the worst player in the, and the worst team in the league. Everybody knows that because, you know, the polarity of it is so clear. But in a situation like the Calgary Flames, how is it any different, really? How has the team that's been constructed, um, the, the way that this team approached the game night in, night, night in, night out, how does it not come back to management at some point? Like, that's where I think we differ in terms of, you know, maybe it's just a philosophical thing in terms of how you evaluate success. And maybe that's why we're always harping on, no, it goes beyond the players, right? Like, it's <laughs> there's something more systemic going on if you're – pouring forth more energy and effort and you're still getting the same result, if not a worse result, we're getting worse results now. Well, I think the Oilers thing is a, is a great example. Like I, I said this last time, I don't know why this is for some reason only ever applied to the flames core group of guys. It's like, there must be something rotten with, with the group of, with the group of players who've been here forever. Like you said, it's, I guess maybe just because it is such a polar situation in Edmonton, but that's a perfect example. That organization sucks. There's not a culture that is established there. There's not a clear, <laughs> accountable group of leaders there. Even if you have two of the best players to ever play hockey, they're still they've won one playoff round in like however many years. So like I just, and I think the other thing too that just like it can't always be the players, right? And I know people kind of flip that on us and it's like, oh, it can't always be the coach. Like how many guys are still here from, from the Gullison era, even like this team is different. Sure. Maybe it's the same core guys, but the, the team is, is different for the most part. I don't know. Like I just, you, I can't see this being a, a player personnel thing when it's like some of the stuff is different. It's not better necessarily, but you're still seeing the exact same problems. You're still seeing the systemic problems. Yeah. And the longer it goes on, the more and more I can't help but keep looking up higher, up the chain, up the chain, up to Bradtree Living. Like you texted me last night. Is Bradtree Living look, he is he a great person? Of course he is. Are all these people great people? Most of them are. Does that mean that you know they're they're gonna help win this team a championship? No. You, you can't just rely on just being a good person and having a good attitude. Well, like and you, not, and you can't enough. rely on being like, oh, he's good, so we can't criticize his decision-making in, in his job, right? Like you texted me last night, is is Bradtree Living, for you know all of his you know positive attributes and what he does well, he's a pretty bad assessor of talent at the same time. Like you texted me, think about the players he's paid top dollar for in the past few years. Travis Hamanick, Brian Elliott, Troy Brower, Curtis Lazar, James Neal. These guys have been absolutely terrible for this team. 
He's and <laughs> and then like he's and, made and like you said he's made up. one player acquisition trade that has worked out and he paid a shit ton for it in the Elizabeth home trade. So like, like you one, said, one move top, in seven years. Top dollar. This isn't a okay, we're gonna pick up Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons on a league minimum deal here. No, we're gonna trade away big time assets, give away big contracts to bring these people in. So at the same time, it's just like I can't get over this coaching thing, dude. He, he has it. He's in a. He yeah. doesn't have it. Doesn't seem to have an ability to lock down a head coach. Well, the assessor of talent thing applies there too. Exactly. Like, and I, I like. Do you remember the search, the four hundred year search for Glenn Gullitson? Like it was like it was like I've never seen a decision made with more thought. And he scoured the earth. He scoured right? the entire earth, and then that's the guy you chose. Oh. It's like, who's this guy? Oh, he must be the next Scotty Bowman if it took this long and we've never heard of him. Like, how did you find this guy? <laughs> and then, well, see, people keep saying, like, oh, Ward's going to be fired. I was like, you guys obviously don't remember Bradshaw living painstakingly refused to move on from Glenn Gullitson. Like that was, he had to do that. And he, he pretty much refused to until the absolute, and according to him, it, the only reason Glenn did get let go is because Bill Peters became available. So man, he doesn't seem to know what he's doing with coaches again, probably is limited from up above in that regard. I'm sure that's the case, but I mean, come on, like, You've had three swings at this. Four swings, if you can't, like Bob Hartley. Like, how can you bring in two guys who coach the exact same way, get middling results, and then not – like, how can we not question your ability to assess a coaching talent? Like, I, I think that's pretty – I think that's a pretty fair criticism to say that Bradshaw Living has hired some shitty coaches pretty much across the board. Yep. There's a, and there's a direct – the situation we're in right now, like – the amount of pain that we all feel has a direct connection to the moment Bill Peters was fired. And go ahead, say he quit. He can quit, right? He's fired. They they let him save some of his reputation by quitting instead of yeah. Like, come on, he obviously was fired. In that moment, Bradtree Living had a golden opportunity to make this team better to make this organization better and failed to do it. And that to me, that is the last straw for me, because if you've and listened to us for any extended a... period of time, you know, we've been critical, <laughs> but I think we've been fairly critical, right? Like, I don't think we've been, we've been, we've been insanely harsh. Like we've called out what we don't like, but we've given them credit where it's due. Right. Like I think people kind of know us as like, Oh, you just hate your living. It's like, if you've listened to us, you know, that's not the case. We've criticized things that needed to be criticized. We have been pretty fair with a lot of things he's done well. But that that decision, to me, was the tipping point, was the, the final straw. Right? And then again, the bad assessment of what you have. He was an interim coach. You had another opportunity to do it. That's what I'm saying. Is like You literally had built, like you had the perfect chance to fix this. Like maybe the worst thing that happened was going on that winning streak with Jeff Ward. Oh, dude, this that was of course it was. Because without that, are we even in this situation? It, without that winning streak, do they? Do they? I guess they would have made the qualifying round, but 
Like, and I just don't understand how you can watch that playoff series against Dallas. Like, even if he did do an okay job during the regular season, if you watch what happened against Dallas, that should have been an immediate, immediate, this guy can't do what we need him to do. Because for me right now, well, this is already passed. The Flames are at a critical moment where, and, and Tree Living said this when he hired, when he fired Bob Hartley, he was like, I think Bob Hartley has, has brought this team as far as he can bring them. Right. Yep. At that moment, after you watched that Dallas series, it was utterly clear that this team, this current group, coaching staff included, this is as far as this is going to go. Like, and this was our concern heading to the season that we're just going to see. We, we kind of know what to expect. It's going to be more of the same. After watching that Dallas series, how can you not look at that and say, yeah, I don't think Jeff Ward can take this team to the next level that we need to get to. Dude, it's, I, the op- it's the opposite. Like, I don't understand how anybody can watch that six game series and watch the decisions that were made and watch how that team played and be like, yeah, we're going with that. Yeah, well, instead of being like, okay, well, here's what we need to learn from it. He said, yeah, we're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to double down on what didn't work. Literally. That's what he said. <laughs> and, and again, the media can, can sit here and deflect all the attention away from this management and this head coach. I mean, they're not all doing it, but the majority of them are. And they say, oh, like, you know, the post-game comments from the from the fan last night were this media or uh, the answers in this room, the players, the, the answers with this players, that's where it comes down to. What if the answer that these players have is that they know they need a real bench boss? They don't believe. Again, have you ever seen the Senators Uber video? Like that happened. Like, come on. You're telling me that's not what happens on every single team? When the fourth line call-ups are continuing to get the playing time in the key moments of the games when you're down a goal late in the games. Are you telling me that they're not sitting in an Uber ride on the way home, trash talking Jeff Ward? Like they're, 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 they're this great of human individuals that they're completely blind to the actual solution. They're that good of people that they're completely blind to what's wrong. Well, and Leslie posted to his Instagram today, somebody asked him like, do you think like what, what's the answer for the flame struggles? And he said something to the effect the players know. Yeah. The players do know. Yeah. But if you're a player, you're pretty much stuck between a rock and hard place. Aren't you? That's if- what I'm saying. The players know what's going on. Like we said last time, Matthew guys, like these are some of the most intelligent, even talking to Brad, he's talking about how intelligent the players are in his uh, interview about how communication is so key. He says something to the effect of like, this is the why generation. These players are smart. They need to know why. These players are smart. Matthew Kachuk, he knows what's going on. Do you, is be- there like? Do you think there's more reason to the Flames just getting shocked by the Oilers last night? To, for him, like you said, he's so frustrated he can't even like finish his sentence. They know what's going on. I have no doubt in my mind that the players are frustrated as hell with this coaching staff. And if you're a player, what do you do? To me, this is where real leadership takes place like who has enough balls enough heart to go to either brad tree living or maybe it's a fucking you go to murray edwards <laughs> like murray edwards he's like where does he live he lives like isn't his offshore like wherever he is hiding all his tax-free money he's in some castle in like game of thrones castle but like seriously if you're a player and you identify a kid the coach is probably the biggest issue here how do you deal with that and if you go to the if you go to the the general manager who's saying the opposite, 
how, like what, what options do you have? Really? Well, and again, like I, I like, feel like for Matt, go, I feel for Matthew you, Chuck so much. Do you go to Brad, you're living and be like, Hey Brad, we need a new coach. And Brad says, no, but the answer is in the room. It's in the room. Then you're the issue, Brad. So if Brad has now become the issue, what do you do as a player? Well, you just suck it up. You just suck it up, work hard, and expect more of the same results that you saw last night. Sam Bennett, like, did he try last night? I felt so bad for him fighting. I was like, this poor guy, he's still giving it, eh? Yeah, you've been mentioning Chucky. I totally agree. Look, we said it, like, last week or whatever. This could be a fork in the road, right? Do you really want to risk souring Chucky's interest in in staying with this organization? Because that's where we're at right now. Well, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And I mean, we're just speculating, but I mean, like if Matthew Kachuk, a guy who we think is very smart and is very savvy, like if he sees what's going on, is he going to, like, I don't see him being the kind of guy like Connor McDavid who will just take a big contract and, you know, do this for the, for the team. Cause you know, like, like, I, I don't like, are they going to ruin Matthew Kachuk's relationship with this team? Like, is Kachuk going to look around and be like, I'm never going to win here. This organization is not committed to committing to win. Why would I be here? I'm going to leave. That's what's on the line right now for me. Like you got to love Matthew Kachuk's comments before the game. Yeah. Like put to the me, blame like, on me. That's a leader. Give this guy this captaincy right now. And it's just depressing watching them, man. Like you, you, you like, oh, you look at Gio and Kachuk. Like it's depressing to watch, man. They look so defeated. And if there's no hope in terms of like, okay, well, if more effort doesn't actually work, what are we? What are we as players supposed to do? Like we can't just go out and play a different system that the coach, you know, you play differently with the coach is asking. Like you just can't. You can't do that as a player. Right. That would take, that'd be like a serious military coup. Right. <laughs> you have these players only meetings where, like, hey, guys, we're going to secretly start rolling out a different system. We're going to go back to some of the things that were working a couple of years ago in 1819, you know, when we finished first in the West. Right. You know, some of those things where we're actually getting, you know, breaking out with speed. We could actually break out of our own, out of our zone, get attacked through the neutral zone, get some odd man rushes, generate chances out of the rush, rush, all that kind of stuff. Okay. We're going to go back to that, but don't tell the general manager. Don't tell the coach, here's what we're going to do. Okay, everybody? Like, what the fuck are these guys supposed to do? It's almost impossible. We're going to, like, and again, this is a prime example of more effort is going to lead to a faster collapse because you're working within a system that is flawed. There's no way around it. Well, Jeff Ward, after the game, we can all give a little more. We still need to be better. It doesn't take talent to play away from the puck. It just takes more desire. And I'm sorry, man, but like how much longer do we have to fucking listen to this? That's what I'm saying. It's just like it's being on it's being blasted on repeat. It's like we're living in it's game, it's groundhog day every single day. And listen, like, and this is another thing that always comes back to Brad Living. And uh, somebody on overtime last night made a really good point just referring to like the identity of the team, right? Like, and to me, this come, this is comes back to Bradtree living's vision or lack thereof for the team. It's like, 
what like I don't understand this this grouping of players right now trying to play a system that doesn't fit their top players, but then you've also got guys like like what how do they play like and how can they beat other teams? Like if you're asking me, how do the Flames beat the Oilers? I don't know. I know how the Oilers beat the Flames. They outscore them. Like you know how the Oilers play. Yeah, under the current system, how do you beat the how do you beat the Oilers? I don't know. You just hang on for dear life. You just try, hope Markstrom is insane and score a power play goal. You try and suppress, you know, the offensive dry cell of McDavid as much as you can. And then what? Rely on your power play to win you the games? Because you sure as shit, like, then you rely on matchups. You're going to try and make your hay when they're a third and fourth liner out. You're, and the call on you overtime. You can't even win matchups on home ice. Exactly. On, on way ice. The call on overtime was like, you can't, you're not going to play with the same intensity that a team like Boston or St. Louis plays with. That's not your team. You're not going to play with the skill that a team like the, the Leafs play with. So like, what is your strength as a hockey club? Like what is Brad? Shale- I don't understand. What does he want this team to be? How does he want this team to play? This, I guess, this weird mismatch of, players that like none of their skill sets seem to work together. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. You, yeah. I, th- I, think I don't know right. how they're supposed to beat teams. This is, I think you're right. This is exactly the way Brad Tree living wants them to play. But I think now he's starting to realize it doesn't work because look, we always use this analogy. Like you come back to 1819 and the success we saw the analysis, the evaluation from that year from the management was that's not going to work anymore. Instead of taking what did work and building off it, they said, Kate, no, we gotta we gotta go in the other direction here. We gotta play better defensively and we gotta be tougher to play against. And so Brad Tree Living is right on par with Jeff Ward in terms of reshaping this roster to fit this system, this style of game. And this is what we're seeing. I mean, that's the clearest analysis I can give. So like, and again, it's, it's to me, it's, it's, it's all about like this thing about the flames don't dictate the flames aren't out there. Like, here's how the flames play. Right. Like, and if you, it's, it's the identity thing that like guys like BX bring up, I think that's a little too low resolution, but if you pull on that thread, it's true. They don't have an identity because they don't have a vision installed from the coach because they don't have a vision installed by the general manager. I don't know how I'll go ahead and disagree and say they do have an identity. They're playing to it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Defense, defense first, try and stifle the other team. That's they their suck at it. That's their identity. But they suck at it. And they don't have the like the amount of skill that they have on the other side of the game, the offensive side of the game. Like that's not in their identity anymore. Sorry, it's just not. Like, do you remember that game against the Lightning? I think you were there even. Yes. The, the overtime loss game. Incredible Dude. game. They went toe to toe. With the Stanley Cup champions of the next year, toe to toe, toe to toe, toe to toe. Johnny Gaudreau was insane. That after game. after that game, you're just like, wow! I don't even care that they lost. What a game! And, and it and wasn't it, because and, of it wasn't just because like, hey, they lucked out and scored some goals in the Lightning. They were on par with the Tampa Bay Lightning that year. That's yeah. how good those guys were. That's how good that system worked. That's how good playing this offensive first system worked. This just leaning into your skill, letting your skill guys go for it, giving Johnny Gaudreau the green light, not playing this boring defense first. Let's just hang back. Let's sit back style. And again, it's like, how is your evaluation of that season? Yeah, we're going to go in the opposite direction. We're just going to completely 
Scratch that off. Screw after, that shit. After that game, is it John Cooper? What's Cooper's name? John Cooper, yeah. Yeah, the coach of the, the Lightning. Yeah. You know what he said to Bill? That was fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> because do you know why he would say that? John Cooper knows what he has in you know in that organization and on that team, the amount of skill he has. And he just played a team that could match it. That's why. It's like, let's let those players go at it. That was it's, fun. Let's do it again. So, what, yeah. What, what, what did Brad say? That wasn't fun. Let's go in the other direction. You saw what happened. You saw what happened. Tried to be a scoring team. No, you were a scoring team. But for whatever reason, he decided that not being a scoring team is going to give you better results. So, dude, I, I don't know. So, I think I think this is the identity of the Calgary Flames now. This that's, passivity. That's like, that's my point is that I think this is the identity, but now we're starting to realize that this isn't, this isn't uh, a right fit for this club. Now I think we've been realizing it for a long while, bro. Well, now now it's now the whole world's starting to see it. So let's talk about the potential paths. Where does this go? Because I think this is where we're at now, right? We're getting so, if we're not there already, I don't know how much further away we are, but we're getting to a place where something, some action needs to take place, right? Well, again, that's where I'm at. That's, that's why I think, I think that's where a lot of people are at, where we're so frustrated because there is, all it is is toe the line. Just believe in this group. No change. Nothing's changing. They still suck. That's why. 99% 99% of people are so mad. And I hate this thing of like, well, just like, I don't know if this is media or whatever, but like, especially after a game last night where you have so many guys, like you were saying, oh, they tried hard. They were fine. They were okay. You lost 7-1 to the Oilers in one of the most, in the most important game of the season. Your playoff chances are dwindling. Something needs to change. Continue. Yet we're going to sit here and say, no, the answer is still the same as it was three weeks ago. Yeah. And I wouldn't even be so mad in saying like something needs to change if it wasn't reiterated from top down that nothing's going to change because I believe in this group. That's why I'm so pissed. And you want to talk about weaknesses of Bradshaw Livings. Look, one of his strengths is patience. His weakness is over patience. We've 100%. seen it. We've seen it the last five years of not being, he's in on everything yet never gets it done. Other than Jacob Markstrom. But look, it's the same situation we saw under Bill Peters when you're just like, dude, do something. Now I'm going to sit back. <laughs> like, at, at what point? Like, I don't know. It's getting to a point now where even his patience is <laughs> it's going to run out because he's going to realize he has to do something. He's going to have to well, man up. And we've said this a bajillion, hundred billion times. If you believe in this group when they're terrible, and struggling like he did last year before Bill Peters stuff came out and don't if, add and don't add. And if you believe in this group when they're the best team in the league and you don't, and don't add, add what, do, like, what are you even doing, man? You got no vision, bro. Like, what are you talking about? So here's one option. You do nothing. Let's say this team somehow claws their way out of this with an underward. Well, they've got the thing is I keep thinking about remember they <laughs> the season they made the playoffs with Glenn Gallatin, they sucked, and then Brian Elliott was great for like ten games and they won ten games in a row and made the playoffs. So that could definitely happen. Yeah. So if you claw your way out of this and you do nothing and you, you stick with what you have and you find a way to, you know, turn your season around, 
the 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 issue I have with that is we know what the ceiling of the seam is. It's not yep. very high under 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 Jeff Ward. Under well, Jeff and it's, it's it's like I said, I I don't think he can take us to the next level. No, at the the ceiling that this team has under Jeff Ward is what you saw against Dallas. So that's yep. our ceiling. That's our ceiling. We can maybe make an interesting series with a better team, but we're not winning it. We're not winning it. We don't have enough. Like you saw everything that we could throw at the Dallas stars and it was nowhere near enough, like not even close. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's your one solution. I don't think anybody wants that solution because it's fucking painful to go through. So everybody's asking for a different one, but that's, that's just one solution you can do. Um, if this team does turn it around, it's not a good long-term solution in my And eyes. to be honest, I would wager that's the most likely solution. Second, uh, second, not f- coming from me, coming from the top down. Yeah. Second solution, um, you replace the coach. And there's two ways you're going to go down. You go back to the bargain bin. Oh, we'll probably just let Husker run the show now. Like you're, you're going to, you're going to, in terms of quality of coach, lessen yourself from Peters down to Ward, down to Huska. So you can go back to the bargain bin again. Come on. You tell me that's going to be the long-term solution? No way. Well, dude, and again, it's like we said, it's not just Jeff Ward the person, right? It's the quality of Jeff Ward the coach. Like, just rem- like it's not going to be like a situation where I think it was with Bill Peters where it was like he was – Bill Peters, the guy, was probably a problem a bit as well. So you remove him, maybe you just hope that everything just improves. You kind of saw the initial returns on that with that winning streak. I think if you solely remove Jeff Ward and bring somebody who's like just as lacking in the – uh, short-term games. Yeah, you you might get some short-term games, but I don't think that's going to be a solution. I don't think the guys hate Jeff Ward, right? Like, no, I mean, I don't think anybody hates Jeff Ward, the person or the personality, etc. Except Sam Bennett, obviously. But I don't think just removing him and swapping him out with somebody who's just as poor at head coaching will help. Like I said, I I love Jeff Ward, the human being. I hate Jeff Ward, the coach. I fucking hate Jeff Ward, the coach. <laughs> The second fork in this is if you're going to replace the coach, spend some fucking money. Well, right. So and th- that's the thing. Who, who are you replacing him with? Because who? unless you're, repl- who, who, who does you not, replace him with? Who does not want to coach this team? <laughs> because again, if you're just replacing him with a guy like Ryan Huska, I don't know. Why even bother? You might win a few more games, but ultimately got, it's not going to work. I got some coaches salary. Not every team makes this public. Jeff Ward is getting paid $900,000 a year right now. If you look at some of the other coaches across the league, um, yeah, they get paid more money, right? Like here's some names. Dave Tippett, for instance, he's making 2,750,000. That's what they're paying for Dave Tippett. And I think that's a, that's a great analogy of you get what you pay for, right? Is Dave Tippett the best coach in the world? No, but has he improved his team? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, you cannot tell me that there's been a, a direct correlation in the wins that the Edmonton Oilers have been able to put together with their shit-ass roster other than the two guys under Dave Tippett. That's what that extra... Dude, Mike you know, Smith is their goalie. Dude, that's what an extra two point or $1.8 million gets you? Yeah, I'll take 10 more wins for... a hundred. Like, like, if you're going to tell me... You know, I'll pay if I pay two million dollars, I get fifteen more wins in a season. Yeah, uh, here's here's ten million. So, 
uh, what's his name? Um, Quinville on Florida. How's Florida doing? Ah, uh, yeah, doing pretty good. You know, you look at some of the coaches that were available. You know, when we scoured the earth for Jeff Ward for two seconds, right? You had Laviette was available. Um, I'm Barry, Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz was available. Well, Barry Trotz was available after you fired Gullitson, wasn't he? <laughs> The point is, you could have Trotch, you could have Quinville, you could have Laviolette. Laviolette. No, Alain no. Vigneault. We got Jeff Ward. Yeah, Alain Vigneault. Vigneault. Um, but the range here is you pay up to about five mil. I mean, the highest paid coach on record right now is actually uh, Quinville. Five yeah. point, a little over five mil. So, you know, I did a little bit of sleuthing. I go and do a little bit of research. The, the Calgary Flames, look, they don't make they don't generate the most amount of revenue in the league, but they're definitely on the plus side of revenue generation. Um, the team a year ago, I think generated it was something like I had it written down here. Where the hell is it? Um, they're definitely in the middle chunk. I think in terms of, in terms of teams that generate revenue, just because go. it's a small 100, market, $138 million in revenue before COVID season before COVID 138 million dollars in revenue yeah no I, I don't think we should we should you know fork out an extra two million to fucking get an actual fucking head coach and knows how to do something like well and a it, fucking break ugh, I don't understand like again owners can do whatever they want with their money but I don't get why they're gonna spend so much money elsewhere like why pay Jacob Markstrom like you're like again, Jacob Markstrom worth it, but I don't understand. You're totally willing to do that. You're willing to pay Troy Brown a buyout. You're willing to pay Michael Stone more money than Oliver making in my entire life. You're willing to pay all these blue cheats. Like you're willing to do all this stuff, but you won't pay an extra. Like you're gonna nickel and dime on one of the most important aspects of your team. I don't get it. I don't so get here's it. Some other, here's some other names. Uh, Laviolette makes five mil. Quinville five point two five. Um, Tippett makes two point seven five. Dude, and, and Maurice is three million, and Ward is nine hundred thousand. And when that, when the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes makes more money than yep. your head coach, yeah, think you got yep. a problem. Is that not saying something? Is this not a prime <laughs> example of you get what you pay for? Like we're seeing it directly correlated on these numbers right here. You you're getting what you're paying for. You you put this in your stories the other day. The, the, the last Flames coach to be subsequently hired as a head coach by another NHL team after the Flames fired them was Daryl Sutter. Well, and that's where I point to when people are like, oh, it's just these core group of guys because they've had 48 coaches and they still can't get it done. They've had 48 coaches who suck and other NHL teams wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole as their head coach. Jim Playfer, Malik Kinnan, Brent Sutter, Bob Harley, Glenn Goldson, Bill Peters, Jeff Ward. How many of them are employed right now as a head coach? Zero. How many of them have you even heard were uh, uh, being interviewed for a head coaching position? Zero. How many of them are even employed? Gullitson and Playfair are both with the Oilers, and that's that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Like the other ones are in Russia or God knows where. So we're gonna get to your your other remaining options, but to me, this is the most obvious one where you just start right now. Don't even think about it any longer. Go get, go pay some money and get somebody like Bruce Boudreaux. Anybody. That well, yeah, that's the thing. People like camp, it's not going to make that much of a difference. 
it's the most immediate. It's the thing that's going to like, cause what are you going to trade somebody like pull a haul for Larson move? You're just going to trade Monahan just for a shakeup. You like as shitty as it may sound, this is the easiest thing to do in terms of like return on investment. Is easiest. Get, and like, maybe it's not the longest term solution. Maybe it doesn't fix the major underlying problems of this team, but sure to God, it would make it. So when you're watching a game, you don't want to rip your eyes out at least. Well, let's get into your third option. You can dismantle the group, dismantle the players, dismantle the roster, keep the same lame-ass coach, the same system that doesn't work, the same lack of like vision identity of like who you actually have on your roster and what system's going to work for them. To me, this is the most dangerous path right now. If you're going unless look, if you want to do a complete overhaul, if if you're Brad Trill, you're like, shit, you know what? Here's where I made my mistakes. Look, we gotta. We've been going backwards. Like I said, they've been going in the opposite direction of their success. What brought them success in eighteen nineteen? They've they've consciously went in the opposite direction. It's just mind boggling to begin with. So maybe Brad Shiving says, "Oh shit, okay, you know what? That hasn't been working. We gotta, you know, as much of a clean slate as we can. Let's salvage just as much as we can. Get rid of the head coach. Bring a new system. Bring in some some players to support that." Maybe that's how this option works for me. I just don't see them having that much foresight. I think that this is the most dangerous way to go as you start dismantling um, and don't address the real issue. I think dismantling is one thing, but like I said, pulling a panic, we just need to shake things up to send a message trade move is yeah. how you end up with a Taylor Hall for Adam Larson type deal. That, well, is, that, is a, that is a road you cannot go down right now. And honestly, dude, it goes beyond that. That exactly. is how you that is how you end up with what happened to the Oilers after that trade. Yeah, because, that's how you that's how you completely derail any everything. When it's obvious to the players what the problem is, and you go out and you fuck with the team by like because obviously I would not be to me. I'm gonna put my money on Sam Bennett's the first guy to go. Oh, totally. Um, I can see it happening within the next day, next two days. Who knows? Maybe by the time this even comes out, he's already gone. To me, if that happens. Not only looking at, you know, like you just said, Hall for Larson, but what that does to the group, it, it fucks them up, man. I swear to God, that's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a solution or a situation where the team's just like, okay, good. This guy's out of here. Now we can, you know, there's some lightness in the room, blah, blah, blah. It's going to fuck it up even worse because you're not addressing the real issue. And now um, this organization is basically sending a message to the players. that It's just like, you know what? It's between us and you now. And we're not taking ownership and accountability for our mistakes. We're going to put the onus all on you guys. And that is just going to create a funk beyond funk. And, you know, maybe again, we could come back to this, this yo-yo effect. Maybe it, it gives the guys a shot of adrenaline because they're afraid for, you know, something else, but it's not sustainable. Right. They, you, maybe you see a result for a week or two. And then it's just like, we're still playing this shitty ass system under the shitty coach. And, you know, it's just a, it's a losing path we're on right now. Yeah. It's like you said, it's not a long-term solution. If you're going down this dismantle the roster thing, then you go full blown. We're rebuilding. We're burnt. We're scorching this earth, but don't think for a second that just trading like one of these core guys just to shake things up will be a solution because it won't be. Yeah. Like we talk about the system. You, you sent me this quote, right? Our focus is on defense and goaltending. This year, we have the 10th most allowed goals in the league. With Markstrom having two shutouts and being unreal. So, again, 
coming back to this, and this brings us to our fourth option, right? So you can do nothing. You can replace a coach in one or two different ways. Um, you can start attacking the core, dismantling them, or this is the big one. You remove tree living. Now, again, is tree living a bad person? No, but obviously he has his weaknesses. We've discussed them already today. Now, the biggest question is, from my perspective, and if I put myself in the owner's shoes, are his weaknesses now overriding his strengths, right? Is, is he preventing us from moving forward? And this is where I'm at. Because if he's going to hang on to Jeff Ward, then I'm at a place where Tree Living is now taking this team as far as he can. And he needs to be, he needs to, he needs to be the one to be replaced. Dude, like, honestly, like <clears throat> the fact that after you didn't win the Western, after you won the Western conference, he didn't make a significant acquisition to really put this team over the top. That for me was like the splitting point where it's like, this guy is not going to get us to the next level. Yeah. I mean, look, he was in on the Mark Stone deal. I I don't have no problem with him not pulling the trigger. If it took Balamaki, if I'm in his shoes, I have no problem with that. But then, like you just said, you had all fucking off season. Yeah. Did you bring in somebody? How many times has Toffoli moved teams since then? Exactly. You telling me Toffoli wouldn't be the perfect solution for a guy to play with Johnny and Monty. So the fact that he his in it, and again, it all it, I don't care if he's in on everything. I don't care if the Cadre deal fell apart. He hasn't been able to improve this team in the areas it most needs to be improved over the past two seasons. And if you can't do that, like, like he said about Hartley, he's taken his, this team as far as it can go. Maybe that's true now. So like, and I, you know what? I kind of think the same about Bradshaw living as I do Jeff Ward. Like Bradshaw living is probably a guy I'd want on my, in my management team, but I don't think he's the guy who should be in charge. Right. Cause you look at yeah. what he's been good at. He's been really good at letting his scouting, his scouting team do the work and his draft, like the drafts has been, have been, pretty excellent since he, he's been around. But if you look at the moves that have come down to him, he, him as the decision maker, what have been the biggest thing? Like what have been the biggest problems with this management group? It's been the big ticket free agent acquisitions and the trades that yep. comes back to him. The strengths. Sure. Sure. He's made some good trades. He, he like the early on the, the Anderson trade, like the, the draft pick that became Anderson, et cetera that more comes back to drafting because drafting four picks is one thing actually using those draft picks to get good players like Rasmus Anderson and Dylan Dubé in later rounds. That's more on scouting. So when you come back to where this management group has faltered in the past, it's those things that he has been mostly in charge of. hundred percent. I mean, agents, player acquisitions, you mentioned it. You traded a first and two seconds for Travis Hamannick, my guy. Sorry, bad move. So like, yeah, I mean, the big, the biggest strength we've seen from this management group is an area where Bradshaw living has, you know, a small amount to do with final Players. say, but ultimately he defers to the two other guys. And the biggest thing for me is those are the two biggest things, evaluation of what you have. Look, sure. Everybody, you know, he got people. I see it on Twitter. Bradshaw living's done nothing to make this team better. People respond. Oh, he got Markstrom. Are we a better team? He got Lindholm. Are we a better team? Oh, you mean Lindholm, the guy who was 
brought in to finally play with, who finally had some success with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan and scored over 50, almost 60 goals there the past two seasons. Yeah, Jeff Ward's decided he's a centerman now and will never play with Gaudreau again. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's where I'm at with Brad Schilling's evaluation of the current situation. Um, and like you said, his inability to pull the trigger on a top six. And, and it really comes down to the evaluation again, right? Yeah. Like in the off season, we're sitting here saying, look, if you just add another top six guy, I don't care how you do it. You're the fucking GM. You've had seven years to do it. Just figure it out. But he, he's coming in there. We already have, you have four um, UFAs on your blue line that you can resign. Yet you're coming in to the off season saying goaltending and defense are your top priority. That was already a, a big issue for us at the time. And that's why you, you know, you've had your qualms about the whole Markstrom signing to begin with, which have been obviously, you know, squashed because of his performance. Well, I don't think it's kind of like last night was a perfect example, right? It's like how good, not even last night, but this season, how good has Markstrom been? For the most part, he's been awesome. You still can't score or defend. And then Jeff Ward overplays him to a point where he's ineffective right now. So sinking in $6 million there while he's been very good again, like, was that the best use of like, was that the ultimate thing holding this team back? I think it was a factor, but yeah. then when you look at, okay, the flames finally have good goaltending and it's still same old. Yeah. So I want to know where you're at out of these four options where I'm at is I think you're probably your best bet is you, you, you count your, you know, your blessings and your losses of where a tree t- has taken us so far. I think he's taken us as far as we can go. Um, the only caveat maybe I'll put with that is I might be willing to give him one more shot if he replaces this coach with somebody, you know, that's actually capable of taking this team further and he does it right away. Otherwise, that's the option for me. We, we, we remove management. Um, I don't know. Maybe you give Connie a go. Like, is that the solution? I'm not sure, but that's where I'm at. I'm at for what I realistically think is going to happen. I don't expect anything to happen. Like you said, I bet there's like a Sam Bennett move. That's like kind of like the, the, uh, the wizard of Oz type thing where it's like, look, we're doing stuff. We're mad. You know, it's like, well, you yeah. just traded a guy who demanded a trade really good job. Right. Yeah. yeah I would com- expect it comes back to, like you said, Wizard of Oz. Like you put the focus on the players, you take it off yourself, right? Yeah. So, like, I expect that to be the move that happens. Because, again, like, there's, to me, the, this, the, the ownership is cheaping out on coaching. Jeff Ford signed for two years. I don't think they're going to buy him out. I, I honestly think Jeff Ward will be the coach until the end of this season. If it were me, I think that's the easiest solution is to bring in a guy especially in the year with COVID and everything like that, that's just puts another, that just emphasizes further how they're not just going to let Jeff Ward. They're cheap enough as it is to begin with in hiring coaches. They're not going to fire one in a year where they're losing tons of money. I think replacing the coach would be the easiest solution. And me personally, I don't think Brad's going anywhere. Yeah. So what we think should happen and what we think will happen are two different things as always. So it sounds like, we can probably both agree that we both think that option one and three will happen, which is, you know, more so standing pat on terms of, you know, who your coach is, who your management is putting the focus on the players and dismantling a bit. Um, That's the, that's the combination of one and three option. And then what 
should happen, which won't, is option two and four, replacing your coach and looking at replacing truly. And that's what's so annoying is like, okay, like even if Brad just brought in a decent head coach, like I, we wouldn't even be like on this conversation of like he needs to go. But the fact that he refuses to do that is like why he needs to go probably, right? Exactly.